Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I hear you and I've got you. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, registered dietitian, nutritionist, board-certified health and wellness coach, and mindful self-compassion teacher. I'm also an author and podcast host with over 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. Hello and welcome to Rock Your Midlife. I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. I am thrilled that you are here today because we've got another great show for you. We're talking all about stress. And I don't think there's a midlife woman out there who isn't experiencing tons of stress. You may be trying to find work-life balance. Maybe you are caring for kids and aging, aging parents. You're trying to manage your own midlife health and to throw gasoline on that midlife fire, you might be going through perimetopause and though that changes in your hormones can really make it really tough to feel your best and deal with stress. And perhaps your stress is even chronic, which means it's constant and it's persistent over an extended period of time. And it can even be overwhelming and debilitating it can affect you both physically and psychologically, interfere with your well-being. It can trigger health issues, including anxiety, insomnia, muscle pain, high blood pressure, and a weakened immune system. But here's the thing, okay? The good news is that you can manage your stress, and today's show is really going to help you. I have an amazing guest, Dr. Gail Gorman. She is a licensed, licensed acupuncturist, naturopath, and an author who has written a great new book called What's your kryptonite? I just love this title. Manage the toxic stressors threatening your superwoman status. And before we bring her on officially, I want to just share a couple of things of what I do. And it's been so important for me to really manage my stress. If you've been following me, you know, I was diagnosed with breast cancer last year and stress is really at the basis, chronic stress of all of our illnesses. It really causes inflammation. What happens is when you are stressed out, your body is in fight and flight. It generates cortisol. And what that tells your body to do is forget about the rest and digest. And let's go into fight and flight. Inflammation starts to happen. That's your, your immune system's way of fighting disease. It's trying to protect you. But over time, it can become chronic and it really can trigger all of the major chronic diseases that we worry about, heart disease and cancer and Alzheimer's and all kinds of things. So you want to get it under control. Some stress is good. We need stress to like get up in the morning. We want to have passion. We want to have purpose. But too much stress can really um, put a damper on your life and really and your health. Just a couple of things about what I do. You know, I've been a dietitian for uh, over 30 years now. And so I really eat a whole foods, plant-based diet. I eat probably... 10 to 15 different kinds of plants every day, everything from, we've actually got collards in the garden right now and kale, even though I live in Vermont, it's miraculous. They survived the winter, which I could not believe that we have this abundance of greens and I make sprouts all year long. Um, I definitely, I eat juice. Um, I eat lots and lots of plant protein, get enough protein as well. I do eat small amounts of animal protein. I try to eat organic as much as I can. Uh, so diet is certainly a cornerstone of what I do to keep that inflammation under control, to help with that stress movement. I got to say exercise is like the 
the antidote for everything. If we could put exercise in a pill, the pharmaceutical um, industry would make, make a fortune because it, of course, helps with stress. It helps with sleep. It helps to reduce things like blood pressure. And you just feel so good. And here to say, you don't have to do CrossFit. You don't have to join a gym. Put on some music and dance. Go for a walk out in nature, preferably take your shoes off. Grounding is another thing that I do to really help my body stay in equilibrium. That means just being in touch with the earth, really uh, getting my kind of natural electrical system in balance by grounding my body. Um, I swim a lot too, which I love to do, which is great again for grounding and movement. And then sleep, like 60% of women going through menopause are struggling with their sleep. And I'm one of those women that I have had to make sleep a huge priority in my life. I do a variety of things, mainly turning off screens, having a nice um, relaxing ritual, maybe doing meditation, a little yoga nidra before bed, um, really uh, creating a ritual around my sleep, making sure my room is cool, dark and quiet, going to bed at the same time every night, waking up at the same time. Dumping all my stress on, you know, journaling before I go to bed. So I'm not taking these worrisome thoughts with me. And sometimes I do take a little melatonin, which is a really great antioxidant, which helps me kind of relax a little bit. And then also some research shows it might help with your, your building your bones as well. And I guess the final thing is I just don't take myself too seriously. Um, it's funny because I actually was voted most serious in high school, which I look back and I go, oh my God, what happened to you? And it's like, I deep sixed my true self for decades of my life to try to show up in this way that I thought would please other people the way I would thought I was supposed to be. And, you know, I'm a little silly inside. I like, you know, if you've seen me on Instagram, you know, I like to dance and wear bright colors and have fun. And I've got like a crazy, wonderful man in my life. And we, you know, we love to ride our uh, bicycle built for two and kayak on our, and our tandem kayak and just have adventures and have fun. So don't take yourself too seriously. Mindset is so important when it comes to managing your stress. So now I want to bring on uh, Dr. Gala Gorman. Again, she is an expert on stress. She's a licensed actor acupuncturist and a naturopath. And she's an author who offers practical advice and programs to reverse health issues resulting from chronic stress. She helps women to relieve their symptoms, restore their energy, and who doesn't need more energy and reclaim their superwoman status. I love that. And I love this idea of kryptonite and being that superwoman. Without going to the phone booth, I don't even know if phone booths are a thing anymore. Um, Dr. Gala advocates for getting to the root cause of the health issue and treating it naturally. She encourages patients to be their own health advocate or PCP, primary care person, which I love because truly the only person who knows you best and can advocate for you is you. So welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Dr. Gorman. So awesome to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to learn from you. Um, so how did you get here? I started reading your book and I know that you actually had a, a pretty complicated health history. You weren't feeling very good for a large part of your early life. Tell us how you went from, you know, taking a lot of medications and being sick a lot to really being your own PCP and helping other women do the same. So um, my story begins before I had any real conscious memory of it. I had chronic bronchitis when I was young, um, really little from the time I was a baby. And, um, you know, I had to rely on the stories that my mother shared, but, um, but essentially I was on antibiotics 
virtually nonstop and I still have my tonsils and the story goes that I was never well enough for long enough for them to schedule taking my tonsils out. <laughs> so, you know, that was my story. And um, as I got old enough where I could kind of control my own health decisions, I would put it off, you know, cause it's like, they got nothing for me. All they're going to do is put me on antibiotics again. And that's not, you know, really helping that much. Right. And so I would get really sick before I would finally go to the doctor and get antibiotics. And, um, on a number of occasions, they told me I should have come sooner because I had walking pneumonia. And, um, so that was kind of my story. And, um, and in my, I guess it would have been late-ish 20s, um, maybe early 30s. I had a client that I, um, in my former life, I'm a CPA. So oh my I, goodness. I totally get the struggles of the, you know, woman out in the world in a real a professional environment and trying to kind of keep all those balls in the air. Um, but I consulted to medical practices and um, did like practice management consulting. So I got to see the um, healthcare world from the other side, right? And so I did have a, one of my patients was a chiropractor, more alternative oriented. And she said, you know, next time you get sick, you really should try a different approach. And, um, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm game. You know, I, I already like would push it to the point of, you know, being really sick. So I wasn't really worried about what was going to happen if I allowed things to escalate. Um, but we put together, um, a holistic protocol to support my immune system and, and kind of prepared myself. And it wasn't too long before I had a chance to put it to good use to put it to the test. And, um, and the way I tell the story is that, um, that I was sick for two solid weeks. And I basically went from the bed to the sofa with my box of Kleenex in tow. And, um, and so as the two weeks started coming to a close, I started to notice, you know, the symptoms tapering off, things kind of clearing up. And, um, and when I finally sort of broke through it with that experience, I've never been sick like that again. And some of the like signs and symptoms that would just come along with um, something like that settling in just they don't escalate to that point. So even if I do get sick, which I'm not superhuman, like I do get sick from time to time, but it's always feels manageable. And, um, and I'm, I'm not, um, I don't get wigged out about having to blow my nose too many times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I would rather have the mucus out than in that's what you, your body's trying to pick up all that garbage and get it out. And so, you know, people tend to want to suppress those symptoms and dry everything up and, um, and all that toxicity now is inside building up. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that's how I, I 
had a, my initial, if you would, breakthrough and understanding how there are alternatives that we can use. And then one thing led to another. It's a very long story, but I ended up selling my accounting firm and I was already starting to work in this field. And, um, and I ended up sort of pursuing this as a, you know, my primary work um, once I did freed myself from, from all the other things that I was doing. So yeah, that's an amazing story and switch. I know myself, I was in the corporate world and I decided to go back and become a dietitian and that was a, a neat switch. So I'm glad that you did that. And I love that you're bringing up this, you know, the, the fact that our body's innate intelligence, our immune system is so incredibly powerful. And so often we're just running around treating symptoms instead of looking at the root cause and supporting our body to heal itself. Yeah. I, um, I had a uh, teacher in school years ago and the way she described the immune system is she said, you know, it's kind of like you, your body, like this fish came in. Right. So think of the fish, like a parasite or something like that. Right. So you're this, this foreign thing gets introduced into your body and your body like processes it, dissembles it, but it's like the fish head and bones are still there. And that's how your immune system now recognizes it. It's like deactivated, but that's like the signature that then when that comes in again, your body goes, oh, I got that. I'm on it. Right. And so if we suppress the immune system, now when that gets introduced, the immune system doesn't have all its faculties um, available and may not know what to do um, to deal with it. And um, and so the common approach, especially if it's bacterial, um, is to use antibiotics. And there are situations, you know, if I've got some flesh eating bacteria or, you know, uh, yeah, something similar to that. Um, I'm saying, you know, sign me up like, or Lyme disease, like you got Lyme disease, you want antibiotics. So there are good times. (laughs) But but if I've got anything that is um, not potentially going to accelerate to a life threatening point quickly, then I'm going to let my body's immune system work on it. And, you know, it may escalate and I may have to continue making that decision repeatedly as we progress. But, um, but I, I would not turn to antibiotics at the first sign of something, you know, and it's really, it's tough now because everybody's so scared after all of the virus stuff that's gone around in the last few years. And um, the truth is that antibiotics are not designed to deal with virus, that your right. body it's bacteria, really has it's to- antibacterial, it's antibiotic. Right. It's not, it's not going to do right. anything for any kind of viral infection. So, and so, so what they have found is that, and there's a lot of theories, but what they found is that maybe just because of what the virus does, it's sort of like, compromises your immune system where maybe then bacteria can grow. And so there tends to be 
sometimes a bacterial component. So um, a pneumonia tends to be a, a bacterial problem. So if they're afraid you're going to go into pneumonia, they may prescribe antibiotics, even though antibiotics are not indicated for virus. Just, right. you know, they're not, that's not what they were designed for. So, let's so talk a little so bit about this. You've got to make your own decision, obviously. And, and I, um, I get a lot of patients that are like, yeah, I had this going on. And, um, and so I just went to the doctor and I got antibiotics and I'm like, okay. And so now what's going on? And they're reporting, you know, urinary tract infections and, you know, dry signs of dryness and, you know, digestion issues and, you know, the, the kinds of things that happen because all of the, that bacterial um, environment in our bodies has now been disrupted. And they're like, well, now how am I going to deal with all that? I said, well, we've got to basically repopulate all that stuff and, and do a complete reset. And they're like, really, you know, just because I took antibiotics and I'm like, well, well, you kill the good stuff with the bad yeah. stuff. And we're certainly getting to know the importance yeah. of the microbiome. So all of the bacteria, viruses, parasites that are not, that are in your body, but actually aren't coming from your body. So it's a great point of like, don't run to the antibiotics, let your body do its own thing and do what you can to build a healthy microbiome. So let's switch um, topics a little bit, talk a little bit about stress since that's what you know your book is about. And I know people want to learn, particularly at midlife, how to deal with stress. What exactly is stress? So that's actually a really great question, I think, because we can think of stress in a lot of different ways. Um, I differentiate between stress as garden variety stress or like toxic stress, right? And so garden variety stress is the stress we thrive on typically. You know, that's the stress that um, when we're challenged, it's stressful, but we're like, like uh, juiced up by it, right? Um, even exercise puts stress on our bodies. And, um, and as long as we're not overdoing it, the stress is good for us, right? And, um, and then stress can become toxic. And, um, and some people manage the overwhelming effects of stress fairly well. If you just are genetically very strong and you don't have a whole lot of other um, toxic buildup in your body, in your world, then you may handle the effects of stress better than maybe somebody else. But, um, but I don't physiologically, all stress is the same. So physiologically, our body says, oh, really our brain says stress, warning sign, and then the body goes into its process of how it's going to free up resources to run from the lion that's chasing you. That's just, no matter what stress is happening, the mind thinks there's a lion chasing you or the equivalent of it. And so the lion chasing you 
for a block, nobody wants to be chased by a lion, right? But if the lion's only chasing us for a few minutes and we just have to run down the block, we're going to be fine, right? We're going to, you know, hyperventilate, calm down. Everything's going to come back online all as well, right? But if there's constant stress and one thing after another, now literally how long can you run from the lion without just finally saying, I got nothing else. Like I got nothing more for this. So the lion is just going to have to take me. Right. Yeah. That so, sounds um, like midlife because, you know, it's, it's just one thing after another. It's interesting you use the lion because it's also that I'm um, wonderful book. I think it's called like zebras don't get hypertension or something. Whereas if you see an animal, like I have a, you know, a wonderful border collie, when she gets stressed out, she just shakes, stress is over and she yeah. is fine. Yeah. Animals know to do that. But for humans, for some reason, we just keep building it up and layering it on. And especially, you know, you're throwing midlife in where we are caught between two generations, often having kids and aging parents, and we can have work stress and we can have stress in our primary relationship. And then you're throwing menopause in there. And a lot of us right now are having financial stress because there are, you know, recessions and inflation and all kinds of things going on. It just never stops. Yeah. And it is important to have realistic expectations because stress is not optional. You know, the only thing that's optional is the, I will, I will say the quantity of stress. So when we know we're already teetering on the edge of being too stressed out, you've got to be able to say no. You know, that next thing that comes in, you've either got to say no to that or you've got to look at what you've already got going on and find three things you can say, I, I, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. Right. No, is so, a, no is a complete sentence. So yes, if you're listening, that is like, I think one of a big takeaway is learning to say no. And that really means not being that people pleaser, putting yourself first. So where do we get to this point, Dr. Gorman, where stress starts to turn toxic, where we get to this point where enough is enough and I've got to take things off my plate and start saying no. When does it go from like, okay, I'm running from the lion. I'm saving my life. I got to deal with these things to wait a minute. If I have one more stressor, it's going to be toxic and it's going to start to have an adverse effect on my well-being. So what I tell the women that I work with to watch for is symptoms that they're suppressing. And so um, as the symptoms start to accumulate, and you start suppressing more things, you know that internally your body is not handling what you're putting on it. So, um, so that includes digestion issues, frequent headaches, insomnia, you know, anything that you're having to medicate regularly, even with a natural substance, our bodies are designed to um, take in from the food we eat, air and water, everything we need to be able to produce the energy and keep everything working properly. When we have a poor quality diet, which honestly, I don't care how great of a diet you eat, it's really hard to get the kind of quality in the diet. So occasionally we do 
supplement with what I call food enhancement. You know, if you're if you're um, if you're not getting all the micronutrients, I try to use things that are as close that your body's going to see as close to food as possible because it's really challenging to supplement in the exact same ratios that the body needs to be able to use it and produce what it's supposed to produce out of it. And then think like it's got to go through the digestion process. And if you're already having issues with your digestion, like that's another issue, right? So, um, so I just, um, we know, we know that our body is overwhelmed and that stress is turning toxic when we can look at the last month and recognize that we took pain relievers more than like once we had to use anything to improve our digestion from heartburn, um, any sort of bowel elimination issues that had to be rectified with some sort of supplement. Um, uh, if you um, have um, sleeping issues, occasionally supplementing with melatonin, no problem. But if you have to take something to sleep every night and then you're still waking up in the middle of the night and having a hard time going back to sleep, that is clearly a sign that something is not functioning properly. Yeah, so, especially stress. And I, I had mentioned that if we should talk briefly about sleep, that uh, women going through menopause, it's like 60% have sleep issues. So what can happen? And what something that happened to me is my cortisol levels would go up because I would be stressed out about something. And what's supposed to happen is your cortisol, again, that hormone of fight and flight and stress is supposed to dip. And if, you know, so that's super important. If you're listening and you're having trouble sleeping to get your cortisol level to go down by taking a hot, not having a glass of wine. That's what I think I, I have to say. 90% of the women who come to me are like, using alcohol to try to relax. And that totally backfires. That's something we should mention as well. If you are using recreational drugs, I mean, marijuana is legal in lots of places and it does have some additional value, but if you're needing to turn to substances to relax, that's another sign that, you know, you're under a lot of stress and you need to find a way to bring your body back into equilibrium. Yeah. And um, when you suppress symptoms, regularly and repeatedly, um, the way I describe it to patients is that we're driving the problem further into the body because, you know, um, the, the, whatever we're using to suppress the symptom, and I don't care whether it's medication or natural, the medication obviously has more toxic side effects. Medications are chemicals. They, include additional components that are not just herbal, like every medication is based on some herbal component, but in order to um, construct it in a way that they think makes it more powerful and also makes it patentable, <laughs> they add all this other stuff that they piggyback on it. Um, and so the, um, when you use something to suppress those symptoms, you will potentially have a side effect. Like I have a patient who deals with eczema um, 
and on her hand. And it's a real struggle because um, it, it'll flare up. And I counseled her to watch when it flares up and see like what stressor caused it to flare, right? And, and so she finally got tired of messing with it. And so she went to the doctor and um, she said, the doctor gave me this steroid cream and it was gone in a few days. And I said, oh, that's really interesting because, you know, she had shared more of the story with me. And um, I said, that's really interesting. I said, you said she had given you a cream before and it didn't make a difference, but this cream knocked it out in three days. I said, that had to be a really powerful cream. She's like, yeah, she said that she had to give me something really strong in order to take care of it. I said, so you realize now that that steroid cream took your immune system offline. And so now she's back to me wanting help improving some issues that are obviously related to compromised immune system. And I said, so when we get your immune system going again, there's a chance that the eczema is going to come back. (laughs) And she's like, oh, and I said, you know, you can't suppress the symptoms with a chemical toxic substance and think that's really solved the problem. You know, the problem's still there. And so, so anyway, um, well, we've got her on a new protocol and we'll see what happens, but it's yeah, just, I think the I think bottom line important. is that, you know, to know that we look at what you do and if someone's listening to look at, to treat the root, it's like, if you have a tree and you've got an infected branch, you can like lob the branch off, but that's not going to cure the infection in the tree. You've got to give the tree the right sunlight, the right watering conditions, the, you know, the right soil. And it's takes a lot longer. And I'm not at all saying, you know, there are times that you need pharmaceuticals, but it just kills me when I see those commercials and you see the side effects. It's like, you could die from this, right? Well, it's going to cure your eczema. And so you're not going to have that, you know, rash, but you, you know, it might knock your liver out. It might cause you not to be able to fight infection. So I think it's just something I love that you're helping people to pause. We're not at all saying, you know, don't listen to your doctor, but like determine like, okay, am I really, and I think midlife is really the time where when your body starts to have those hormonal fluctuations and it can really trigger more health issues that you sit back and you go, okay, I'm going to take better care of myself. Because the bottom line is it's like, there's not a pill for this. It's like, you've got to eat right. You've got to move your body. You've got to do some kind of stress management. You've got to make sure you're getting sleep. You've got to say no, all of these things is much, it's much harder to do than simply taking pill. Like I'm, I'm recovering right now. And it's like the only thing, everyone's telling me the same thing, rest. So I have to get in bed and listen to a guided meditation and and rest because I had surgery a few days ago, but it really works. I wake up, I feel good. I feel refreshed and listening to your body is so important. So let's talk a little bit about um, what are the biggest mistakes women make when managing their health symptoms, particularly when we're talking about menopause, where you're getting this perfect storm, where estrogen and progesterone are starting to fluctuate different levels. And of course that's interfering with things like insulin levels. What are the biggest mistakes you see midlife women making in terms of managing their health? And you may give one example of someone who, you know, wanted the magic bullet and that disrupted everything. What are some other mistakes people make? So I, um, I'm again, gonna probably have an unpopular response, but I've never tried to be popular with my response. So, um, 
the way I describe it in my book is imagine that your kid going through puberty and they're having all those funky symptoms and their voice is all over the place and, you know, they're getting a little pudgy and they're, you know, like everything's out of whack and they're uncomfortable, right? Like it's uncomfortable to go through that. But imagine that you were like, oh man, I don't want you to be uncomfortable. I don't want you to have to deal with that. So we're just going to tootle you down to the doctor and get you hormone replacement therapy and, and balance all that out. Right. And so of course you would never do that. Right. We know that the, um, the kids are going to grow out of it. And, um, and that's the same thing that happens with menopause. If we just accept that that our body is shifting, you know, like it is going to be a little bit of a new normal, but there's, there's this grace that we need to give ourselves and not jump so quickly to like fight the transition. I get it. None of us want to age. Like we all want to live Tell where, you know, I want to live till I'm 120 and I'd like to have the energy of my 30s. Right. So, you know, that's like where we're all in that same boat. Right. But if we allow our bodies not that different from our immune system, if we allow our bodies to navigate the journey and to figure out how to like do all the things with the amount of energy that we now have because of the fluctuating hormones, your body's super resilient. It will figure it out. But um, but we may need to rest a little more and we may need to really make sure we get outside and we get that natural vitamin D on our skin and um, and we may need to be a little more careful with our diet, particularly um, giving ourselves more digestive rest time, um, meaning time-restricted eating, being more careful with our evening routine, you know, the kinds of things that you've already talked about. But um, yeah, I'm glad but you I mentioned think- the intermittent fasting because the research yeah. is really showing that giving your, you know, giving your digestive system rest is really, really powerful. And also taking the insulin offline a little bit, right? So the, mm-hmm. so you're actually can, that can really, I, w- I was surprised because as a dietitian, I was super skeptical intermittent fasting when I, when it first came out and it was like magic bullet for weight loss and all the things. And the research is really starting to show that it actually can really support. I know certainly for myself with staying in remission, I'm really doing if, as much as I can only eating for an eight hour window because then the cancer only any potential cancer has much less time to have fuel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I was eating one meal a day, much of the time, all the way back when I was in my twenties and, um, and it worked fantastic for me, but, um, I probably should have cycled it more around my hormonal cycle. Women tend to need more nourishment as they're building blood for the um, their period, right? So um, 
if you are a younger woman or you're thinking that this is a one size fits all, just know that there are things that we need to um, we need to apply, like concepts that we need to apply that may affect our hormones. And one of the reasons why you rarely see a study done on women, um, most studies are done primarily on men. And the reason why they use men, if they're not using rats, <laughs> is because men are much more level. You know, they've got the same testosterone and they do have some estrogen and, you know, hormonal makeup, but it's very constant. Women are all over the place and no two women are in the same point in their cycle at any given point in time. So we're really hard to study. Um, but the, um, the intermittent fasting really allows your body the time to essentially reset. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to stimulate growth hormone, right? Like that's, if you really looked at what's most missing as we go through menopause and our hormones sort of drop off, it's that growth hormone that's not still fueling everything. And we rely on growth hormone to regenerate and um, do a lot of repair work. So it's interesting too, because it's bringing everything around to stress though. It's the yeah. stress that actually causes the right stress. So things like, you know, the intermittent fasting, um, also taking, I, I take ice cold showers. I don't know if you yeah. do that, but you, you know, taking ice cold showers, um, and other things besides intermittent fasting, ice cold showers that help with that human growth hormone. Do you have other things on? Yeah. Your list? So the, the one thing that I'd like to caution women too, is that especially for women who have struggled with adrenal fatigue and um, cortisol management, um, insulin resistance, that sort of thing. You've got to be very careful with how far you push your body, including like these hormetic stressors are great. And guys report fantastic results, right? Again, because they're like the same across the board, right? But for us women, we've got to be much more mindful about how hard we push our bodies. I am... Um, I follow a, um, a medically um, supported fasting program that is in Europe. And these people have been studying fasting for, I don't know, 70 or 80 years and a long like family history of, um, of fasting and doing really like next level research about the effects of fasting. And so they, believe that it's really important to not push your body too hard because if you push your body too hard, you will undo the good effects, right? So um, so you've got to ease your way into it and um, use variation. So we tend to be creatures of habit. So it's like, okay, this works for me. I'm going to do the same thing every day, day in and day out. And what you need to do is, um, is again, put a little more hormetic stress into the equation. And maybe one day you eat one meal, right? And then the next day you eat your two normal meals in your like six or eight hour eating window. 
And then, you know, you just want to use enough variation where your body can't figure out what's coming (laughs) and then just adapt to it. Right. Yeah. So it's, again, it goes back to your point in your book of being your own primary care person, figuring out what works for you. No one size fits all again, particularly for women, as we're going through these changes, this kind of balance of stressing your body in a good way. So you get that human growth hormone, but at the same time, not overstressing it. So you're exhausting and depleting yourself. So let's talk a little briefly, we have a few minutes left. Uh, tell us a little bit about your book. It's What's Your Kryptonite? I absolutely love the title. I'd love to know, did you have this like aha moment where you're like, oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about here. What's Your Kryptonite? Manage the toxic stressors threatening your superwoman status. Tell us about the book and how you came up with that amazing title. Yeah, so I was talking to somebody that was kind of helping me um, uh, just flush out my ideas. The book had been in the works for quite a few years. And then when I lost my sister to cancer a couple of years ago, I was just like this. I cannot put this off any longer. This needs to be out there. And so I was talking to him about kind of how I viewed things and I landed on this kryptonite idea and I just kept going, you know, I'm explaining to him my philosophy and he's like, whoa, 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 go back to that. What was that you said about kryptonite? And I said, you know, well, here's how I think about kryptonite. Kryptonite typically is something that is not like it's hiding in plain sight, right? Like we, if we knew kryptonite was there, we just avoid it or get rid of it, right? But it's not like that. It's not like it's just obvious. It's something that is draining our energy and we've got to do some sleuthing to figure it out and figure out how we're going to manage it. Sometimes we can't remove it. Sometimes we've got to figure out how to shield ourselves from the effects of it, right? So um, so anyway, we landed on the What's Your Kryptonite title and then I kind of developed the... Um, the subtitle, because I want people to understand that this is not garden variety stress, like things have escalated beyond that point (laughs) at this point. And so when you're dealing with kryptonite, it's not something that just a little extra meditation or a few more minutes on your, you know, morning walk is going to most likely reverse, like you're going to have to take some pretty next level measures to get it in check. Yeah, but unfortunately it's the norm for too many people. And the good news is that most of the chronic disease, I think pretty much all of our chronic diseases have that basis of kryptonite. So thank you for the amazing book. One final question, Dr. Gorman, how are you rocking your midlife? How am I rocking my midlife? So um, next month I am heading to Europe and I'm going to hike the Camino de Santiago across the oh, Spain. <laughs> so love that. That's um, on my be, bucket list. Yeah. And I'm looking really forward to it. It's been on mine for probably 20 years now. And I finally just told my husband, I said, I am doing it. So um so low or is he going with you? Um, he's going for the first two weeks, and then I'll spend nice. a month after that on my own. So I'm really um I'm looking forward to sharing the beginning of the journey with him. And then I'm also looking forward to having that really lengthy time to just do my own processing and oh and beautiful so. and hablo espanol um 
Un poquito. <laughs> Un poquito. I recommend Duolingo. We, I just actually purchased a home in Costa Rica. So oh, I've wow, been learning. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's the cool thing. Midlife, we go through these things, right? We learn how to take better care of ourselves. And we're realize... this close to buying a condo in Panama. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So totally, uh, totally hear you on that. It, it's a great thing. So I can't wait to, I'll have to follow you. And <laughs> are you on Instagram and all the places where can people get Yeah, all the you? places. If you go to my website, drgala.com, D-R-G-A-L-A.com. Um, cool. If you go down to the bottom of the page in the footer, I've got links to all my social accounts. And then as you're scrolling down that page, you can find a link to buy my book on Amazon. And I also publish a newsletter every Sunday. So you may want to subscribe to that as well. Awesome. Well, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to keep reading your book. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you have gleamed some important uh, aha moments from all of this. It really is about being your own PCP, being, being your own best position. You know your body. You have choices. If you don't like, I, I talk to so many women and, and they're like, my, my doctor doesn't understand. If your doctor doesn't understand, seek a new doctor. And I encourage you, you know, to maybe see a naturopath, see an acupuncturist, get an alternative perspective and look at healing your body. Look at really taking care of that garden that you have by giving it the right water, the right soil, the right sunlight, because each of us is different. We need different things. So thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you've enjoyed the show, leave me a review. If you want to get in touch with me, go to the midlifewhisper.com. That's the midlifewhisper.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Gala, and we will uh, see you next week. Take care. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause or a health issue, and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stuck and wondering how to get your confidence, energy, and joy back. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I hear you and I've got you. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist registered dietitian, nutritionist, board-certified health and wellness coach, and mindful self-compassion teacher. I'm also an author and podcast host with over 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide inspiration and wisdom to help you transform your health, your mindset, your relationships, and your life so you can rock midlife.